0: Greetings in the Lord Jesus. It's good to be back at Bethany again. Living for eternity in a transient world. I looked that word up too. Mainly because I wanted to see what the dictionary said about how to pronounce it. And it gave you about three or four different ways. So, transient and transient. Well, anyway. Turn with me to 2 Peter chapter 1. <clears throat> of course you look at the title and you've got the kind of opposites eternity and Transience. Here today, going tomorrow, eternity. Second Peter chapter one. Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity, for If these things be in you and abound, they make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Wherefore, the rather brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you shall never fall. For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Wherefore, I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, though you know them, and be established in the present truth. Yea, I think it meet, as long as I am in this tabernacle, to stir you up by putting you in remembrance, knowing that shortly I must put off this my tabernacle, even as our Lord Jesus Christ hath showed me. Moreover, I will endeavor that you may be able, after my decease, to have these things always in remembrance, for we have not followed cunningly devised fables, when we made note unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received from God the Father honor and glory, when there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory, this is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And this voice which came from heaven we heard, when we were with him in the holy mount. Interesting chapter. Good chapter. All right, I want to talk about the transience of living first. And then the basis of living. Then the goal of living. And then the living. Spend the most time on the living, by the way. The transience of living. You look at verses 13 to 15 here. and Peter knew he was transient. He said, I know I'm not going to be here long. The Lord showed me I'm going to be leaving. So I'm planning to do something so that you can remember what I want you to remember. Peter knew that he would die. He knew his life was short. Do you? Do I? Well, what did you do last week? And of what you did last week, what? remains of it. What did you do last week that's going to remain in a hundred years? What did you do last week that was truly eternal that will make a difference in eternity? Well, think about your stuff. If you flip over to chapter 3, your new pickup, your turkey house, your furniture business, your. We could just go through the list. Chapter 3, verse 10. But the day of the Lord will come, as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat, and the earth also, and the works that are in it shall be burned up. And he goes on and says, How then shall we live? But everything physical that you dealt with last week will be burnt up. All of our stuff, some of it seems sort of important right now, I know. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in all holy conversation and godliness? Looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God, where in the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we... According to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that you look for such things, be diligent that you may be found of him in peace without spot and blameless. The transience of living. We won't be here long. And our stuff won't be here long either and we won't take it with us. Well, let's think about the basis of living from this passage. You go down to the end of the chapter, verses 15 down through 21 maybe. Well, verse 21, the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man. Holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. The word of God. This is our basis for living. We can stake our lives on it. We can build our lives on it. We can read it, believe it, obey it, specifically. But more than that, if you look at verses 15 to 19 or so. The word of God. The living word. The son of God. Jesus. This is my beloved son. Hear ye him. God said. And Peter says we heard him. And so we're not talking only about a Bible based life. We're talking about a Christ based life. You need Jesus Christ from beginning to end. You needed him to get saved when you cried out to him in faith. And you have to just keep right on living that way all the way through. And because he lives, he's able to save you to the uttermost. It's a Christ-based life. But more than that, it's not just based on him. It is him. It's knowing him. You look at, uh, well, verses 2, 3, 8, verse 2. Through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. John wrote this. While Jesus said it. This is life eternal. To know thee the only true God. And Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. This is life eternal. Know him. So it's not just based on him. It's knowing him. And verse 3. He's given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Through the knowledge of him. Verse 8. They make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus. We will base our lives on something. We all do. We have presuppositions, foundations, uh, ideas, worldviews upon which we base what we do. We make our small decisions, our big decisions based on whatever that is. Will it be the word of God, Jesus himself, in you, the Holy Spirit, or is it going to be circumstances, things that happen to you, transit things? The basis of our lives needs to be a relationship with the Lord Jesus. I know him. He knows me. He lives in me. He lives out his life through me. Knowing him. That's the basis of living. Well, the goal of living. What's the goal of living? Is it verse 11? For so, an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Yes, but no. That's not quite all of it. Our, 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 the Christian world today, the books and the radio programs and the blogs, they pretty much teach that. The goal is believe on the Lord Jesus and go to heaven, be saved. And by that they mean go to heaven. That's not what the Bible says being saved is, by the way. <laughs> Actually, that's that particular version of it is a lie from the devil. God's goal in salvation is not that we go to heaven. That is, it's not God's highest aim in saving you and me. That is the end, yes. But that's not (laughs) what it's all about. Well, what is it then? Because if it's His goal, it ought to be ours too. Well, are there some hints here? Verse three. He hath called us to glory and virtue. Verse eight, that you would neither be barren nor unfruitful. Jesus said, Herein is my Father glorified, that you bear much fruit. So Shall you be my disciples? Last verse in the book. But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and go to heaven. To him be glory, both now and forever. And by the way, he's going to get glory when you go to heaven. But the now part means now. He wants glory from our lives right now. And that's what he saved us for. Not just because we were important enough to him that he wanted us in heaven with him. Yes, that's true, he did. But it's for his glory. We are not, I am not at the center of salvation, God is. It's a little like the the man that opened the door for a woman one time, and she got after him, and she said, You don't have to open a door for me because I'm a lady. He said, Ma'am, I didn't open it because you're a lady. I opened it because I'm a gentleman. And that's why God saved us. He's God. He loves us. He did it for his glory. It happens to be us. (laughs) We receive it. (laughs) And, And yes, we tend to see it all about us, but it's not. It's about him. And the Christian world loves to quote Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. I do too for that matter. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that And not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And I like to add verse 10. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. And then he goes on later in the book and says, so that you can be a showcase of God's glory to the world around you. Well, it doesn't say it exactly that way, but that's the idea. The goal of our life is to glorify God. And if we do that, yes, we're going to end up in heaven. (laughs) The goal of our salvation is God's glory through our eternal life, here and now first, and then in eternity you see, in our churches, we can grow up, become a Christian, and plan to go to heaven by doing what Mennonites do. But if our goal is only to get in the door after we die, and we think we're going to get there by conforming to our church's requirements and practices, it will not work. You'll be lost. Methods based on transients aren't going to bring eternal results. It's not going to bring eternal glory. I plan to go home tonight. I'll go out and get on 81 north. That's the way you get to Strasburg. If you're going to get to heaven, you have to travel the way. If I want to get to Strasbourg, I have to travel the way. I mean, I can get off at exit 264 and take 211 East, and I can end up in D.C., but I won't end up at Strasbourg. And so many in our world forget the way leads to the end. Salvation is not you know, the prayer I prayed 42 and a half years ago. Yeah, I got saved that night. I know I did. (laughs) Well, we'll come back to that after a while. Traveling the road will get you there. And that road is knowing Jesus Christ, living out his life, him living it out in you, glorifying God. If you don't travel that road, you won't get to the right end. That's the road that leads there. All right. Getting into the living already. That was the goal of living. Now, the living. Let's uh, look at this passage. Verse 11 does tell you how to get there. You notice it starts, for so. For in this manner. In what manner? Well, the manner that he describes in verses 1 to 10. This is the way he says. Look back and let's look back and see what he says. Verse 1 tells us it's a faith, the same faith that was so precious to Peter. We have it because of the righteousness of God, the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Through Jesus, life, death, resurrection, and ascension, and present work. Not just his death. You need his whole life he hadn't risen again you couldn't be saved if he wasn't on the right hand of God interceding for you ever living he couldn't save you to the uttermost we need him every bit of the way through and this faith it's not something we do it's something we are yes we believe God but when we do everything changes Life changes. Our being changes. We call it conversion. New birth. We're changed from the inside out. We're new creatures. The Holy Spirit comes in there. Cleans us up. Makes us brand new. We are born anew in Christ. We have new life. It's a faith. It's not something that you exercise to get saved and then... Fifty years later, you die and go to heaven. In the meantime, you did not exercise it. That won't work. It's not something that, well, I'll put it this way. So you exercise faith and you've you got eternity in your heart. You're saved. And then you start living for transient things. It won't work. Neither is it something that you can get up in the morning and you can exercise your faith for your devotional time and have some time with God and then spend the rest of the day on transient things and forgetting him, that's not faith. You've forgotten Him. Verse 2 It's a relationship. The knowledge of God. In verse 3 and verse 8 again. It's knowing God. This is life eternal, that they may know Thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom Thou hast sent. That's John 17 3. Do you know Him? Did you talk to him today? Well, sure, we sang songs to him this morning. Well, what about those mornings last week and throughout the day? Did you walk with him and talk with him? I know him. He knows me. It's so close a relationship that Jesus calls it staying in me, abide in me. Uh, I like the Spanish word. It's uh, permanecer. It's, uh, in English, it looks like permanent, a verb Verb form of permanent. Stay there. Be permanent there. Live there. There's not a thing in this life that you saw or held or thought about today that is more important than whether or not you remained in Jesus Christ as you lived through today that he directed your decisions, your moments, your responses. Not your paycheck, not your bottom line, not your business, not your home, not your efficient new kitchen or shop or whatever, not that difficult relationship, (laughs) not getting the poultry house cleaned out, not making sure the cows got milked, or getting the groceries, or getting the clothes washed, or those things you do all week long whether the truck ran right or not your stuff your promotion your friend's opinion of you but do you know Jesus Christ and are you rejoicing in making every decision of every day in light of that knowledge (coughs) Well, verse 4. It's a glorious life whereby are given, like that word, given. It's also in verse 3, by the way. Given. His divine fire hath given unto us. Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature. You've escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Exceeding great and precious promises. We're delivered from sin. And so. How can we convince ourselves that this glorious salvation life (laughs) that God provides to us is far more important than anything this world has to offer? That it deserves our total commitment to the point of presenting our bodies, our minds, our very selves to God. And letting him do with us just whatever he wants. Well, we say we know it's that important. But how often has God had to ask you, (laughs) what meaneth then the bleeding of these sheep? Sometimes he's had to ask me that. (laughs) Really? You've given me everything? Well, then, why? Okay. How can we get to that place where that's just the most important things in our, in our lives? Well, we say that can only by, be by faith, by believing God. Yes, that's it. And I did it 42 and a half years ago. I believed God and entered into glorious life. And I can look back there and I can say without a doubt that God delivered me from sin I quit smoking that night, I quit drinking that night, I quit drugs that night, I quit cussing that night. Is that the end of the story? No. I'm still walking by faith. Well, and I have to say, yes, I've failed him many a time. (laughs) Grabbed it back, made my own decisions, and had to come back to him in repentance. Am I walking by faith because I became a Mennonite and do the things that Mennonites do? No. It's because I know Jesus Christ and I make my choices based on him. And guess what? That does mean pretty often I do what Mennonites do (laughs) because they do some good things. We do. Once in a while, act a little strange, too. But it's a, it's a glorious life of faith, walking with the Lord Jesus, seeing him, knowing he's working in me, and seeing how he does it, working out his will, getting himself glory. And, yes, sometimes it's just plain humiliating because I fail pretty bad, but still, it's a glorious life. Well, you look at verses 5 to 7. It's a a life of diligent growth. Faith isn't enough. Faith alone, this whole doctrine of salvation by faith alone, it's a false doctrine. It doesn't work that way. Verse 5 says we must be adding to it. And by the way, if we aren't adding to it, it's not faith. Faith. We must do it diligently, giving all diligence. It takes effort. All right, well, let's look at what he says to add. Virtue. Excellence. Uprightness. Right doing. Sincerely doing and being good. A sincere desire to please God. Are you virtuous? It's one of those words that these days, some people almost tend to say with a, with a sneer, like pious. We can even quote scripture, be not righteous over much. One wouldn't like to appear too righteous, you know. And I don't want to wear my religion on my coat sleeve. Well, then go ahead and deny Jesus Christ. Why wouldn't you wear your religion on your coat sleeve? (laughs) We don't find it too difficult to strive toward excellence in playing volleyball, for example, writing or editing, for example, (laughs) selling furniture, well, okay. Singing, farming, running a business, transit things, they're going to burn out. But Peter says, first of all, give your life to striving to be an excellent disciple of Jesus Christ. First of all, add to virtue knowledge. So I love my Lord. I love to obey him. I want to know what he says. I want to know more. I want to obey him more. I want knowledge. And so I read his word every day. I'm looking for ways to obey him, not looking for ways to get out of it. I'm seeking his will. Not only that, I even enjoy going and listening to someone else preach and tell me more about his will. (laughs) Keep striving diligently to add to your knowledge of God and his will. Add to your virtue knowledge. Add to your knowledge then temperance, self-control. I'm still in the flesh. You're still in the flesh because I'm living for eternity I know that I can't just live I can't just allow my mind to go any old anywhere it pleases I can't just allow my eyes to go any old place they please I have to be in control I need to bring every thought and every action under the control of Christ and he won't do it for me Unless I choose to do it and ask him to help me, and then it will help. Self control. One aspect of self control is moderation. I can't just live to play, live to have fun. Normally, worldly, if it's fun, I want to do it more. That's the way we live. That's the way people live in general. I can't live that way. Not if I'm going to practice temperance. Good food. I love to eat. Don't you like to eat? Good food. I do. You know what happens if you just keep on? Would Jesus be obese? So part of self-control is moderation. Keep striving to control yourself, to grow in your self-control. For the glory of God, add temperance. To temperance, add patience. All right, patience, perseverance. Cheerful, endurance. Put the cheerful in there. You can't do it right without that. Cheerful, endurance. Constancy, stick to it Keep right on doing what I know to do is right, even on the gray days. Even on the Monday mornings when you got home late because you preached somewhere far from home the night before maybe. When you get up and you just don't feel like getting going. Y'all probably don't have those kind of days. Keep trusting, keep obeying, just keep, he that endureth to the end shall be saved. Jesus said. So diligently remind yourself to patiently, cheerfully, keep on keeping on. Add patience. Well, to patience, add godliness. Godlikeness. Holiness. Purity of heart. Christ-like responses in your relationships. Ask God every day ask him often Lord help me to grow Lord make me more like you Lord help me to love you more Lord glorify yourself in me and you don't have to add if it's your will just pray it and then fasten your seatbelt. Make growing in the likeness of the Lord Jesus a daily priority. Add godliness. And to godliness add brotherly kindness. Family love. Love as brethren. Love each other as family members should. Unconditionally. No, that doesn't mean you let people get away from sin. That means you love them enough to love them anyway and help them. Refuse to Criticize. Control your thoughts and keep the critical thoughts out. Refuse to gossip. If you wouldn't say it when they're there, don't say it when they're not. If it's not good, don't say it. Choose to do the loving thing to your brothers and sisters no matter what. This is my dear family. I will love it. I will love these people. Never give up choosing to love your brothers and sisters. Add brotherly kindness. This is Philadelphia, it's talking about there, the, the brotherly love. And to cap it off, add charity. Agape, Godlike love that's willing to give and to give and to give of itself for others. The love that's willing to take hurt from a brother even a brother, and love him anyway. Love is an action word. To love is to do the loving thing. It's not necessarily a warm fuzzy, but it's a response that says, I love you anyway. I love you. I'm doing the loving thing to you because I've chosen to love you. This is the love that Jesus had for us. It's the love that the Holy Spirit pours into our heart. It's the love that leads us into giving of our life and our time, and our money, and our stuff of ourselves for others' good. If you turn back a couple pages to the love chapter in John chapter 4, I know it's not the love chapter we often speak about, but if you read it sometime, you'll see. We don't have time to read it all. We could, but we won't. We'll start in verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God, and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. Verse 11, Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. Verse 12, No man hath seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us, and his love is perfected in us. Verse 16, and we have known and beloved, we believe the love that God hath to us. God is love, and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. Add love. sometimes you have a memory in the middle of a sermon let me tell you one sitting there about where Davy is or maybe the bench in front of him where Jonathan is 40 years ago maybe no 39 we had a Sunday school lesson from 1 Corinthians 13 and I don't remember the details at all but I remember that lesson that they hit me so hard When it came time for testimonies, I had to get up and speak. and I had to cry a little because I wasn't loving like I should love. (laughs) So anyway, just a Bethany of memory. (laughs) And Ralph would be the only one that would remember it if anybody did. So. (laughs) The Holy Spirit pours love into our hearts. And that love needs to flow out through us. Add diligently love. Well, why? Well, Come to that in a minute. So there you are. You have these, what is it, eight things? I didn't count them. Giving all diligence, (laughs) putting all your effort into it, add these things. Be constantly adding them. Now, we humans, we tend to like lists, checklists, even spiritually. We like to be able to go down the list and check these things off and say, you know, I'm okay. I got this, I got this, I got this, I got this. And you look at the Pharisees, for example. They had their lists pretty well checked off. They had all the boxes checked. Well, here's a checklist for you. Let's see your hands. How many of you have virtue nailed down? (laughs) Knowledge? Knowledge? Temperance? Come on. (laughs) You see, you never get there. This is something you have to give your life to. You live that way. This is the way you live for eternity. We will never arrive. We'll always be growing. And it's only by being, living in these things that we'll be ending up down here in verses 8, 9, and 10 where we want to end up. They have to be a way of life. And you know as well as I do that uh, we find ourselves kind of going in cycles sometimes. We find ourselves slacking off or we realize we've gotten a little slack and this or that. and It happens. But we need to keep on staying as close to the Lord as we can, keeping that relationship. is the only way we'll ever be able to, to live this way. And no, we'll never be able to live that way perfectly, and that's why we have the Lord Jesus in us, and, and that he saves us and we can't do it ourselves anyway. <clears throat> so we, to live for eternity, you have to be diligently adding, continually growing. It's a way of life. And I'll add this, we need to love to have it that way. It's a joyful life, and we love our God, and we go at it with all our hearts. You see, it's only as we do this, verse 8, only when these things are in you and abounding, diligently adding them, that God can make us fruitful. So our diligent adding is sort of like the sap flowing up from the tree roots coming up to produce the leaves and the fruit. The, the abundance and yes it combines with the Holy Spirit that river of living water that flows up into us too to bear real fruit fruit that honors the Lord and blesses and helps those people around us and makes the church what it is as we each do our part and God is glorified the goal is reached God is glorified and if we're not adding We won't be fruitful. We'll be barren. If you don't care about these things, if you don't care about them tomorrow, you'll be barren, unfruitful. And verse 9 says if we don't care enough to be adding, we're blind, we're short sighted, blind and can't see far off, and we've forgotten that glorious deliverance back in verse 4, we've forgotten we were delivered from the old life, and we'll probably return to it, and most likely not realize it. So, what's the verdict on your week last week? Did you live it for eternity? Or only time? And more important than that, what about tomorrow? Will you live it for eternity or for time? Well, verse 10. So here's the crux of the matter. If you do these things you shall never fall. Sounds like Calvinism, doesn't it? Can't fall. No. But if we're sincerely doing these things within the brotherhood, seeking God with all our hearts, we won't fall. Because if we stumble, God will be able to bring us back. Our hearts will be right. Now, I know there are people out there who are just positive they're right, and it's rather obvious to everybody around them they're wrong. That does happen sometimes. But in the brotherhood, we've got each other to show us that if we get that way. And we live with these kind of building going on within us, with these kind of desires, you won't fall, you can't fall. On our own, yes, we could. And if we start getting confident and thinking we can't, yes, we can. But... Do these things you shall never fall. You want to be assured of an entrance into the final kingdom. <laughs> of course we do. Well then get saved and live saved, live a saved life and a saved lifestyle with all your heart in the power of God. Add diligently the things God says to add, and keep rejoicing in that great salvation. For so, for so. Verse 11 says, an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We could say for only so will an entrance be ministered to us. Let's have a song.